Welcome to Of Dust and Divinity, a place where we ask big questions of small things as we gather around the table with makers, thinkers, and doers. So grab your favorite drink, pull up a chair, and join us. And now, here are your hosts, Caben Kramer and Chris Quant. Oh my goodness, Caben. What's up, Chris? Hey, we're back man. Again. We're back. I love that. I honestly, <laughs> we record this at the end of the day, and I honestly all day look forward to saying, "Are we? Are we going to record yet? Is it time to record yet?" We're texting oh, each other that. like, "Come on, man, let's go. Do we have a link yet? <laughs> let's go. Let's record." <laughs> yes, I know. It's such a highlight. It's always good. It's always good. Always good to see your face at, at least once a week. So uh, mm-hmm. uh, we missed, uh, not that it matters because people don't know, but we missed last week. No, normally we yeah. try and do this on a weekly basis, but I was doing a little little traveling in the uh, in the ATL in the Atlanta area. So that was so fun swank. to kind of see see Atlanta for about 48 hours. Let me tell you, that's a that's a rough turnaround flying from West Coast to East Coast. Uh, you, yeah. you lose three hours uh, and then you're. I was there for a day and then immediately... So technically 5 a.m. Pacific time, it was eight o'clock was my my flight. <laughs> and I was talking to uh, the lady at the at the desk there at the hotel as I'm checking out. And she's like, where are you? Where are you headed off to? I was like, oh, I'm headed back to California. She's like, "Ooh, time travel. You're going to get some of these hours back. <laughs> I said, yeah, I'm going to be I'm gonna drop on the floor when I get there. I'm so right. tired. <laughs> that's 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 the penance you pay for being a, a high baller corporate. You know, yeah, like, living like you are in the tech industry, right? You got to start billing that stuff. You got to be like, oh yes, I'm a I'm a part time traveling tech. Yeah, well, the company does cover the the uh, the things when we travel, so it is it is nice to to have a have a meal and uh, see some of, see my coworkers uh, every now and again on the road. So awesome. yeah, super good. But hey, uh, enough about me. Let's talk a little bit about you, Caben. Okay, what are you drinking? Oh, I am drinking a red wine tonight. Which red, is not something I often wine. bring on the podcast, but red wine. It's a um I'm gonna forget even what it's called. Have I have I already had too much wine? I was gonna say is how that, much is have that you had already? Do we, do we have like too much pre record going on here? <laughs> um I saw you taking is, a few sips while we were planning here a little bit. So this is confluence mm-hmm. wine, which is a very special wine Sounds because rivery. It's it's from Auburn. Oh. In fact, it's from myself and five other gentlemen who cared for a vineyard. This is your wine um, that you guys this did. This is our wine. Oh, yes. no kidding. Yeah. So it's it's quite select. It's quite uh, limited. And it's, you know, you, you got to know someone to get a bottle. I've got a few cases of it sitting really? uh, here at our house. Fantastic. So, yeah. So for three years, um, yeah, we cared for this vineyard um, from, you know, January all the way through. Um, we harvested ourselves. We did all the crush ourselves. We did all the tasting. Okay, ourselves. how did the, the bottle ourselves? I picture the I Love Lucy episode where they're walking around in their bare feet crushing the grapes. <laughs> how did the crushing? What did the crushing? How did that go for this? We we use stainless steel machinery. Okay, way better. But it's just like a you know it's just like something that you set, set on your carport and you just like dump all the grapes into it and like right. strips off all the stems and crushes the grapes. Not a bunch then, of guys just going and walking around. Yeah, and then you have to put in like the the pressure bladder to like squeeze all the gr- the juice out of the skins, and then you got to get rid of all the skins, and then you got to let it soak, and then you got to turn it and tamp it, and you got to you know condition it and and then then you put it you know after about three weeks of doing that then you put it in the oak barrels and you let it sit for about two years and then you bottle it 
Okay, so... And then you drink it. Cheers. How long... So you guys were doing this in 2018? Is this is this when this was happening? This, or? this vintage is 2018. Okay. Yeah, so 2016, 2017, 2018 are the years that I participated. Boy, that's a... That's just a lesson in patience. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna start a project now, four years from now. Mm-hmm. I'll probably be enjoying that. So pretty much. Wow. That pretty is much. that is that is wine. That isn't that growth though? Just you, you, yeah. you just gotta wait for it. Yeah, it's so fun. And it's actually really good wine too. Well, I'm looking um, forward I, to can... somebody that I know giving me a little bit of something here so it's very <laughs> exclusive, so I can try it as well. <laughs> All right, Chris, what are you drinking? I want to know. <laughs> we we've had we've had bananas. Yeah. We've had Monks, yeah, it's right, what it's it a repeat. It's the the uh, salt salt and lime lager. Oh, I still have yeah. some of these sitting. The, the Corona fridge. by another name. Corona by another name. Still don't have a lime. Gonna pop the lid. There we go. Yes. And uh, yeah, I'm, I really only ever have a beer when we're doing this, Cabin. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. This is I'm like, oh, still got some. Got to got to finish Perfect. it. Perfect. Gonna drink I it. Love so. it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so still a Corona. Still, still a crumb. Mm-hmm. All right, Chris. What what are we talking about tonight? What are, what are right. we doing here? Let's dive right in. Enough of the prelims here. You had posted something. Um, you and you and your your lovely wife Jen in in the Man, stories. That, that's a good way to start a story to get me in trouble, Chris. I know, right? So <laughs> I was reviewing your Instagram account, Cabin, and let's pull out all the controversial stuff. <laughs> There's something that you posted. I, I took a couple of screenshots because I want to come back and I want to visit this conversation. So it's it's interesting that we talked about the wine and, and getting back to the soil, if you will, and, and talking about the growth process. Um, and you had brought up the concept of greenwashing. Mm, and yeah. I read you had a, a, a set of stories in your Instagram accounts uh, set to that. You gave some examples I'll, I'll be honest with you. I read through that and it did not land for me at all. What in the world is he talking about? And so I thought, well, hey, we've got a podcast. Let's air this out a little bit more uh, oh, for it. better or for worse. Can you, one, start to bring us up on what what the heck greenwashing is? And then you gave some examples. I want to talk through some examples of that. So go ahead. Can you set the stage Perfect. and let's talk about greenwashing? Good. And I'm glad you have the examples with you because I do not remember them. I, I got it. I, I screenshot so it right here. So I'll, I'll start. Yeah. I'll okay. Your so, memory. so let, let's, let's lay out some parameters. Let's talk about a little bit of, of the concept of what greenwashing is. So it's helpful to think about the word whitewashing. So if you think yep. of the word whitewashing, you think of taking something that um, isn't good and you clean it up on the outside so that it looks good without actually changing what it is. Hmm. Right. So I that that analogy actually comes from the scriptures where Jesus talks about how the religious folk at the time were like whitewashed tombs. Right. So they they cleaned up the outside of the tomb, but inside it was literally just dead, rotting flesh. And that's how Jesus described religion. Right. And that is how we get the term whitewashing. So the term greenwashing borrows from that same imagery. So you take something that's not environmentally good and you clean up the outside of it with labeling or pictures or mm. specially used words or some other thing that cleans up the outside without actually changing the inside. So all the processes behind it, all of the way that the corporations spend money, 
the way products are still produced, consumed, and wasted, thrown in the trash, none of those actually reflect green principles or practices, and yet the company is making some effort to market itself as eco-conscious, eco-friendly. So they've cleaned up the outside of the tomb. The inside is still full of coal and dirty things. Okay. Interesting. So an example is, I don't know, I'm going to hold this up. It, it, basically, the oat milk example. <laughs> yes. so, so you posted a picture of, <laughs> of cattle in the field, in the grassy field, eating all of all the grass. And oats. it says, the eating oat oats. leaves are picked and gently ground into a paste. So I'm <laughs> guessing there's the cattle and it's a joke on like, well, where does oat milk come from? How do we how do we get yes. that? So yes. is that a fair example of what are we talking about here? When, when that, that That's a purposefully satirical example. Okay. Um, that, yeah, that was posted by an account that was drawing some attention to some of the ridiculous things that happen, um, because there is a large movement against cattle and we don't need to get in that conversation. Although that is a separate and very valid conversation of, you know, is an impossible burger actually better for your body or the world, Mm -hmm. um, or the soil compared to a cow there's, that's a, its own very worthwhile conversation to have. Um, but that account was bringing attention to the fact that, look, we can slap all the marketing words all over this, but it's just a cow eating some grass. Right. <laughs> right. And like, and, but, right. but actually the cow eating the grass maybe is the most green process to get oat milk compared to the way that oat milk might be manufactured in other environments. Um, that actually, if you milk a cow that's been eating oats, right? Um, that, that's actually <laughs> that's oat milk. maybe the the best oat milk you can get. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Are there other terminologies that go along with that, or practices that go along with that? Uh, I mean, as far as bringing in other, you use an example of you know in Silicon Valley here, tech companies come and they disrupt things, and 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 one of the things that I think about is. Fair or not fair is big Apple fan here, like fully indoctrinated in the ways of Apple. I'm just going to be honest with you. Wait, my Apple watch is going. So is my iPad and my iPhone all together on this Mac that I'm recording on right now. Right. And one of the things that makes me feel really good about Apple is watching their yearly announcements or twice yearly announcements. Really well done. A production nerd here. So I love that. But one of the things is like, hey, we're going, we're going green. We're putting solar panels on everything. We're being environmentally conscious. Blah 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 blah. And I feel like, oh, look at this. They're doing <laughs> things. They're saving the planet. Take my money, right? Is there is 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 that kind of a similar thing in 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 ag that uh, or in in farming that uh, kind of what you're saying is there something where somebody's coming to disrupt and it's got your attention of going like wait a minute is that really the thing or is that just again this this greenwashing just like looks good on the outside but yeah. I wonder if we look yeah. on the inside do you have and I don't want you to like name any names or anything let's not let's not go down there. Um, but anything that you're just saying, Hey, here's a practice that I'm like, I don't know. I, I want to, might want to look at that twice. Sure. Yeah. Well, and, and most greenwashing happens by companies that have nothing to do with agriculture. Ah, interesting. So, okay. so Apple is a great example of greenwashing, right? Because they'll talk about how they're being so thoughtful about sustainability in the environment. 
and yet they just just don't ask too many questions about how they get lithium and what they do with it when they're done. Interesting. Um, because Caben, I don't want to look behind that door because then I'm yeah. not going to feel good about myself. I mean, lithium makes coal look prist- pristine and clean. Mm. Um, I mean, lithium is like the new blood diamonds. Wow. I mean, it's horrendous. Okay. So, yeah. So, so to claim that they are eco-friendly, sustainably conscious because they put some solar panels up, which the government subsidized them to do, um, and yet they haven't managed their lithium mines in Congo. Um, We're getting controversial here, and I, I think I took us down a road, but keep keep that's preaching. That's all right. Man. I mean, keep preaching. I, I'll bury myself on this one. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm good at I'm getting better at saying sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just, but, but that that really is a great example, right? Like they they really they really don't have a lit. You know, honestly, it's the the bar to be considered eco conscious in corporate America is kind of like the the other big conversation in a very different circle about what makes a good dad, right? And mm-hmm. so you'll see it like you know a mom at a park with a kid, and underneath it says she's doing the bare minimum a dad at a park with a kid and it's underneath it. It says he's such a great dad, right? Like the bar for being called a great dad is so low. You just Mm. have to show up, right? (laughs) (laughs) The bar for being an eco conscious company is so low. You just have to put some solar panels up. Mm. And that's like that, especially when it comes to technology that relies on microchips and global supply chains, solar panels are one of dozens of qualified factors that really need to be considered if we're going to have a conversation about who cares about sustainability. Now, the way this ties back into the conversation about beef is oftentimes it is tech-driven companies who are pointing the finger at meat production Mm -hmm. in America saying, you guys are the problem. You got to clean up. And the meat industry, because they tend to not have as much money or lobbying power have a hard time pointing the finger back and mm. saying, can we talk about your issues for a second without looking like they're just trying to, you know, avoid responsibility themselves. And yes, there's a lot of industrial grade ag that's tried to mimic mm. the manufacturing line that absolutely needs to be disrupted significantly. I think technology will be part of that disruption. I do not think technology has within its skill set the ability to lead that disruption. Okay. But that's getting off topic. That that's a different conversation. Well, we we can talk about the interface between technology and and ag. Well, it's an it's an <laughs> interesting thing because we I was having a conversation earlier today where we're only going I believe more in the tech direction. Mm-hmm. And where that crosses in, it could it could be in the finance world, which is the world I live in, you know, for my nine to five. Uh, but it could also be, I think, if I'm hearing you right, in the agricultural world, too. Mm-hmm. Right. Where it's there's disruption that's going to come in. Hey, we have a problem. It needs to be solved. How can we disrupt this and do it better? Right. For sure. And and, 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 and across all of our lives, like we're, we're sitting here on the computer looking at each other. And that's how the world is just connecting now. Yes. And yes. and you and I were kind of joking about you were saying, oh man, but getting back to the soil and the air and the, and and all that, I'm like, yeah, right, old man. Like, how are we gonna do that? <laughs> you know, my kids are like, this is how they interact is on the screens. This is how 
we were talking about kids in Russia right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, what is their way to the outside world right now? It's it's mm-hmm. through technology and through computers. So how do we how do we see that, or can we see that disruption as a good thing, or mm-hmm. is it only going to lead to more? harmful practices and and i'm not maybe i'm asking you to make a judgment call maybe not but just interested in your take on that no i i think the answer is absolutely yes to both Mm -hmm. um i think the world has always been moving towards more technology it has never not been moving to more technology we just happened to begin building technology based on silicon about 40 years ago but the world has always been moving towards more and more technology so the question always is how do we create an and situation Right. How do we create technology and humanity, technology and the more than human world? Um, how do we have technology that makes us better at the things that make us human instead of taking away from the things that make us human or replace it? Mm-hmm. You know, and obviously there's people, hundreds and thousands of people with PhDs who are wrestling with that question every day. So I don't propose to have the answer. What we do see throughout history is different people coming up to points where they can no longer say and. Okay. Um, And so religion has done this, um, you know, different, like the Amish have done this, right? Where they say, nope, this, this is how much technology we can do. What's interesting, you know, I actually... I, I'm not in personal relationship with any Amish. I do know a lot of Mennonite folk, and I've listened to a lot of literature and books written about um, the Amish way of life, and Wendell Berry is a fantastic person who explores this as well. But something that's very interesting about the way that the Amish approach it is that they are not anti-technology the way that they tend to be made out to be. Hmm. They assess technology through multiple lenses, but one critical lens that they assess technology through is what does this do to our sense of community? If we introduce this piece, right? So the car was a great example. If we introduce cars into our society, what does that do to our sense of connectedness? And then they spend weeks and months in meetings and conversation where instead of saying, this is the next new thing, you got to go get it right now. It's so cool. They say, well, okay, that's interesting. We're just going to, we're going to sit down. We're just going to have a few conversations over the next six or eight or 12 months. And we're just going to ask this question. How would we change if we do this? Mm -hmm. And what they decided in, in some, you know, there are some Amish people who have cars, so it's, it's not unilateral across the board, but most decided that a car would actually diminish the quality of their relationships and actually thin the quality of their community. And so it wasn't something, it wasn't a useful technology to the Amish way of life because it was a diminishing technology Mm. from the sense of an enriched community. Mm -hmm. And if we look around from bedroom communities to inner city communities to the amount of smog and the mental health impact of lots of asphalt and concrete everywhere, Maybe they have a point. <laughs> yeah, and and how far past beyond the line before we see, especially right now, is in this point in time where gas prices are where they are. Like, ah, right, man. Is there is there another way around this? Is there another solution? Uh, I know we're not going back, so maybe we go to electrical. But uh, you know, electric. How how do we do that? How do we can we reverse anything like that? I don't know. 
I don't have the answer for that, yeah. but you're right. And and of course, electric cars have the great problem of lithium also. Well, I was going to say, and, and yeah. burning ele- or creating electricity and... Yeah, so no easy answers. I don't think yeah. we're looking for any softballs, right. but uh, to right. to kind of noodle through this idea, it's it's interesting. My wife is uh, we're taking several left hand turns in this conversation today. So, <laughs> listener, I hope the whiplash is okay on your neck right now. But my wife and son currently are on a coast to coast trip. Uh, just my wife has always wanted to get on Interstate eighty here in California and just drive all the way to New York. And so they just decided to do it, and they're doing it right now. And and uh, as they're going across the country, she's looking at it through a little bit of different eyes, just with the with the work that she's been doing, of just kind of un- trying to understand more about the narrative of our country and having a more honest look and and looking at the the colonizing aspects of that and and just seeing she's like it it, it is really sad going through the the Great Plains, going through the Midwest right now, mm-hmm. uh, seeing a lot of not it's probably more of what's not being mentioned uh in in the historic stops along the way that uh has she's like man i actually i'm getting kind of sad about this and kind of like the whitewashing of of our history as as we're ignoring uh still to this day uh, i think a lot of people groups um and, and especially native americans uh as as she's finding her way across so i think there's there's i think we're doing better at that we're having more conversations around that but still uh to understand this is surrounding us all the time whether mm-hmm. it's whitewashing whether it's greenwashing whether it's mm-hmm. you know are we talking about what did you say lithium i don't even see i can't remember <laughs> what you're saying like because yeah. because i just don't even think about it right, right? i'm like hey this right. this this device in my hand cool i get to check my instagram account all the time yep. can't imagine life without it yep and how many congolese kids died for it mm. <clears throat> Again, Cabin, I don't want to think about that because then that makes me feel bad about myself. And but really but can't... also but but here's the other reality about well two two things I'll say one is as technology continues to come online, our body our our brains I won't say our bodies our brains are incredibly adaptive. Mm. I mean, there's I can't quote it reference it because I'm not smart enough, but there are studies out there that show how our brains are literally wired different than they were yeah like boomers right i believe it and those in older generations and so so that that is one thing to say that our brains have the ability to adapt to new technology and assemble a reality that's inclusive of that and a reality for a human brain includes connection and community and other things like that. So yeah. we maybe we redefine what that means, maybe redefine what that looks like, but we adapt to that technology. Now, again, there can be some ethical conversations about how much of adaptation is, you know, it's 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 the Theseus ship problem of you know, how many boards can you change out of the ship before it's no longer a ship anymore? Mm. Um, you know, how how much adapting can our brains do? I happen to fall in the camp that our brains can do an infinite amount of adapting. Um, yeah. that we can remain human through a massive amount of change. I don't particularly want that amount of change because there's another side to this, and that's we're not just floating brains. Um, we're yeah. bodies, too, and our bodies are much slower beings. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm only now coming to realize how much I can learn from my body, how much I can listen to the knowledge of my body, but it is such a slow 
communication pathway. Mm. It's such a slow unfolding. Um, it's very difficult. Um, it's part of the gift of slowing down is being able to listen to and learn from my body as an intelligence, right? We mm -hmm. tend to associate just the mind with intelligence, but our bodies are incredibly intelligent um, structures, um, biomasses, uh, networks of nerves and beings and, and molecules that have a lot of information that tell us more truth about the world than often our brain does because our brain is always trying to make sense of new things and our bodies are simply experiencing what is. Mm. And so we can always learn from our bodies, but our bodies are always farther behind the technology curve, right? Our bodies change over generations. Um, some would even say millennia. Um, and yet our brains are incredibly quick to adapt and change. So we do have this internal tension within the physical, right? Because our brains live inside of our physical bodies. We are material. We are flesh and bone. We are here now. And our brains are very adept at just kind of this disconnected, okay, what's the next thing? How do we make sense of it? Boom, okay, that's our new reality now. And our bodies are still back here saying, hmm, um, I had a different response to that. Mm. Um, but often we, we rush ahead too quickly to notice. So yes, we can thrive and survive as humans. Um, and we continue to have an increasingly tenuous relationship with our own humanity, the more distance we draw between our mind's ability to adapt and our, the, quite frankly, the ignorance we hold around our own bodies. Well, and, and we know the saying too of your body, you can either just go full tilt and at some point your body's going to stop you. And it's going to tell you, nope, can't do it anymore. And it's it's no. going to it's going to shut you down, or you take that intentional time to slow down, to rest, having that. You know, it's it's going all around right now. But you know, this is where if you think of a gas tank, you know, this is where we should take a break when it's about three quarters empty, and this is where we d end up taking a break, like <laughs> where it's all the way on red past the yeah. E empty. Yeah. And, and our bodies, it's just not sustainable. And I, and as you're talking about that, I'm thinking you're absolutely right. Uh, now, I, I got COVID back in 2020. We're in 2022 right now. And there's still this long term effect of I just know that. Kevin, maybe it's my age, too, but I'm going to blame it on COVID still. The, the idea that when I get later on in the evening, like I still, I, I've noticed since then, my body's like, nope, shut down. It's it's time to go to bed. And if I don't get that that rest that I need, my body just isn't. It's it's not taking it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe again, that's yeah. just age. But I've noticed, I've noticed it distinctly since having COVID back in 2020. That yeah. and it just knocked me on my butt. I'll tell you. Unfortunately, you know, wrote it out and and it you know on the other side of that now. But yeah, your body is going to take. I'm going to take all the time that I need to adapt mm -hmm. to this. I don't care how fast you decide mm -hmm. you want to in absorb information or, or try to consume it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. side so tangent and rant. Yeah. No, it's so, so th there is this huge conversation that we could have about that interface of technology and what is disruption? Um, because there tends to be this idea in Silicon Valley that says, well, if you just mess everything up, then that's then that will lead to something good, right? If you just change the way that people become friends, 
that will lead to something good, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you change the way, if we just mess up farms, if we just like, you know, throw throw a big old screw right through the side of it and just right bend the whole thing out of balance, it's going to lead to something good. To which I would say, yes, you're right. Like, I think vertical farming is absolutely a part of our future, and it's a critical part of our future. Um, what do like, you mean by vertical farming? So, yeah, it's it's this really cool thing where um, in warehouses, they're building food sometimes anywhere between 7 and 70 times as dense as you can outside. Oh, wow. Because they grow it essentially in large PVC pipes with little holes cut out with soil and, and water dripping down through it with UV lighting. And so these poles will be anywhere from 10 to 25 feet tall um, with rotating UV lights and growing all kinds of row crops. Um, so, you know, basically think of anything you put in a salad or, or most veggies. Um, okay. Fun fact. So now that you say that I get it. So we went to Disney world and they have an entire spot like that where they grow for most of their restaurants, for a lot of their hotels, they actually grow it like you're saying where it's, it's sustainable. Again, I need to feel better about myself, Cabin. And we actually, they take you on a little, little tram on the water in the canal that you go through and, it was my kid's favorite ride. I'll tell you that. Oh, I boy, we're that. watching plants grow under UV yeah. lights. But it is interesting. So you're right. I have seen that. Okay. By the way, I the longer I do this farming thing, the more skeptical I become about the word sustainable. Not because I think I'm doing it better than anyone else. I actually, the opposite. I am trying my darndest, and I'm realizing that it's a very tenuous word at best. Mm. Um, and I think it holds more value as a marketing ploy than as a... Um, operational practice. Okay. It's tough. Anyway, we don't need to get down that rabbit hole, but like, because when, when you say, okay, they're sustainable immediately, I think yes, but the downside to vertical farming is they're incredibly energy intensive, right? The perk of growing cabbage in a field is that the sun, you just, you just let it sit out in the field. Yeah. Right. When you try to grow cabbage in a warehouse, you've got to monitor that baby. You got to be pumping water everywhere. You got to be keeping UV lights on it. There's it's huge energy intensive process. Mm. And I think it's a very important process to be part of the mix. See, this is the other thing that we tend to do is we tend to be totalizing, right? We're either like, Oh, everything has to be carts and buggies or everything has to be electric cars. Mm -hmm. And I think the most beautiful future is, and, Mm. um, right? Like right now, as much as Tesla wants us to think otherwise, like diesel electric is a much better solution than all electric for most heavy duty situations. Okay. And in fact, we've known this because most trains have been diesel electric for years, right? Right. They don't make a big deal out of it, but they're pioneers because, and for them, because it wasn't a marketing ploy, it was a, it was a power solution, right? They were like, how can we create, um, better train engines, right? More power with the same space, right? Cause they're on a set of tracks. They came up with diesel electric and guess yeah. what? That's still like, that is still the peak as far as, uh, longevity, endurance, power performance, diesel electric. Yeah. And so, you know, people will ask me sometimes, well, are you going to end up going all electric with your tractors? And right now, there's just not an energy equation that makes sense for that, right? Tractors get beat up. Cabin, you need a hydrogen solution. Let's just say <laughs> you, need, you need to go hydrogen. All right, let's talk about that. But how and, and, expensive would that be? Like, like, it also has to economically make sense, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Right. 
economics makes less and less sense the longer I'm in farming too. <laughs> <laughs> and that could be a whole nother conversation too. Well, we've, we've had another conversation. We've talked about that, how farmers, little, yeah. boy, how, yeah. where you, what you have to buy and how you sell things yeah. as well. Well, Hey, we, okay, we so have, Oh, go let, ahead. Please. Let's land the plane on greenwashing. Let's yeah, come yeah, back let's around. Let's, let's make, let's make this episode and have a little bit of a bow tie here. Yeah. Okay. So perhaps the funniest example of greenwashing that I've seen recently um, has to do, okay, so the, the two biggest culprits of greenwashing is labeling food non-GMO and labeling mm-hmm. food organic. Both of those, 95% of the products you see, it's just a greenwashing ploy. It's just an effort to get you to spend more money on the same thing. The funniest example, we saw some Himalayan pink salt that was labeled non-GMO. Now, <laughs> let me you break mean, you. Do you mean let, the Himalayan pink down. salt? Do you mean that's why, in my kitchen right now? Why that is not like why that's hilarious to me. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> GMO, genetically modified. Okay. So that requires that you're modifying some kind of organic matter, usually a seed, right? Mm-hmm. And you go in and you modify it. First of all, there's only 10 GMO seeds available on the market in the U.S., right? So, okay. But it has to, and it's all seeds. So there, there's no such thing as a non-GMO, there, there's no such thing as a GMO walnut. So I could label my walnuts as non-GMO, mm-hmm. but every walnut is. You can't get a GMO walnut. It just doesn't exist. Right. So maybe it makes you feel better buying my walnuts if it's labeled non-GMO, but so is everyone else's. Right? That's just the truth of it. Mm. So, but it, it's even funnier with salt because salt is not organic. Salt is a mineral. <laughs> you like, you kill, you don't, if you modify NACL, it's no longer salt. <laughs> it's like, it's just an it. Like, it's just the mineral. There's no, yeah, of course it's non GMO. But the fact that like you could market it as non GMO and get more sales from it and charge a higher price shows how quickly we can succumb to greenwashing. The thing is, is you've just got to be the first one there to have the idea, Cabin. And that's where the money lies. <laughs> Wait a minute. This is vegan. Oh, right. perfect. Yeah. V- vegan salt. There you go. Vegan it's, salt. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. My shampoo is vegan. Uh, oh, Cabin. man. Just so yeah. you know. I, I, I saw it, it the other might day. might also be chemical soup, but it's <laughs> vegan. But it's vegan. That is that is very interesting to hear it, it, the marketing and the packaging that goes on to it. Again, so that we can sell we can sell it whatever in the health food mm-hmm. store, in that the health food aisle of the grocery store and, and charge a higher price for it. Well what what how what do you it, so so to me what it comes down to is it comes down to being able to sell things to people without people having to think. And I don't mean yeah. that in a derogatory sense. I don't mean that people are actively trying not to think. It's in the sense that like ease, right? Path of least resistance. If we've already decided in our brains a rubric that says organic non-GMO is better for us, then when we're scanning the aisles, we just select the item that already fits that pre-existing criteria. So, you know, it's not about evil corporations trying to be manipulative. It's about us trying to adapt to a highly technological, 
consumer marketplace. And I'm not saying, I'm not putting a label on whether that's a good (laughs) way to do that or not, but it is what's happening. It is a reality. So it's a reality we can talk about and discuss um, as being complex. And that's the other thing is, is it is very complex and nuanced because it isn't an all in one basket or all in the other basket. Yeah, the, it, we, we need all of it. Um, we need thoughtful consumers. Um, and we also just need to provide some high quality products out there for people who are just trying to make it to the end of their day. And so we want to all be moving in that direction towards like, okay, let's actually, if if we're going to do this, let's make sure this is a higher quality product. So walnuts are a fantastic source of nutrients and healthy fats and hard to get macro nutrients and all kinds of good things for your body. Um, and so if it's going to make someone's life a little bit easier to eat healthy, if my walnuts say non-GMO on them, even though every walnut's non-GMO, like I actually want to create a world where stressed out people can provide healthy food easily. Walnuts are a great source of that. What's mm-hmm. an easy way for me to do that? I can label it as vegan. I can label it as non-GMO. I, and both those things are true. And they're true for all walnuts. So it's so for me, it's not about I want to edge my way in front of a competitor. For me, it's I want to help facilitate these easy choices for people who have already decided a mental model and quite frankly don't have the bandwidth to get through their day with one more decision. Mm. So let's just take that off the table. Trust me, our walnuts are healthy and good. I stand behind that 100%. And if I need to call it non-GMO for it to fit that model for you, Okay, do I want to be in that world? Do I think that there could be other ways? Sure, but this is reality. This is the reality that my body lives in, right? That we're all haggard and tired. We all wait till the tank is way past empty and we're rushing to the grocery store trying to figure out what the heck it is we're gonna eat and feed our kids or our loved ones or anyone else. Um, and so, yeah, let's let's make that easy um, with healthy stuff. Mm-hmm. And then for the people who are doing it for things that aren't healthy, okay, let's create some pathways of accountability and awareness. And maybe this podcast is one little drop in that bucket um, because there there is some shady business going on in some places, but they, it doesn't have to be everywhere, right? And in the case of walnuts that are legitimately healthy, all right, let's, 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 let's do what we can to make sure that people are choosing health whenever mm-hmm. possible. Mm-hmm. That's good, man. Uh, it's a good, I, I feel like that just brought up a hundred more questions, but I think we should end it there. Uh, we, we've kind of covered a lot of ground on the topic and a little bit off. We've had some rabbit trails going off the topic, but uh, I appreciate your, your insight on that because I automatically went, you probably heard me there. I'm, I'm going to villainize and say, Oh no, 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 it's just this marketing ploy. And you're like, uh, time, time out, Quan. All right. Take a <laughs> look. Like here's actually what's happening. If we can get the messaging right so that people have the option to make that decision and it fits the narrative that then helps them to make those better choices. All right, fine. Maybe there's a better way to do that, but I, I appreciate you kind of bringing some clarity there. So, uh, Caben, as always, I, now the last couple episodes, I've cut you off early and you're like, no, I need to say one more thing. Are, are we good or, or can we go ahead and roll out here and, 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 and call it good for this episode? Want to give you that, that final word if you've got it. Chris, I appreciate you reining me in. Thank you. This is good. 
All right. Well, thanks everybody for joining us. If you want to be a part of the conversation of dust and divinity at gmail.com, drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you. Follow us, uh, follow you. What's your, what's your handle on social cave? in case folks want to take, take a look at what you're doing, uh, trying not to greenwash, but to <laughs> do a, a sustainable farm as, as yeah. much as maybe we're, we're overusing that or underusing that word for you. How can people find you? Tenderly rooted, all one word, tenderly Perfect. rooted. And then we'll put our website and our social media handle. Perfect. And we'll put the the podcast, all the information at the end here. But uh, as always, Caven, a pleasure. Looking forward to us, uh, forward to us connecting next week. Absolutely. Thank you, Chris. And that's our show. If this conversation was meaningful to you, like it was to us, leave a rating and review so that more people just like us can discover this podcast and join the conversation themselves. Thank you for listening. We're so glad you're here, and we'd love for you to join the conversation too. But hey, you've heard enough of our voices. For show notes or to connect with this community of seekers, visit us online at ofdustanddivinity.com. Partner with us on Patreon and get access to exclusive content, merch, and hidden perks. Go to patreon.com slash ofdustanddivinity. Join our Facebook group of Dust and Divinity podcast community and engage with us on Instagram at of dust underscore and divinity. As you go through your day, remember these words of Rainer Maria Rilke. Be patient toward all that is unsolved in your heart and try to love the questions themselves. Do not seek the answers which cannot be given to you, for you would not be able to live them And the point is to live everything. Live the questions now.